Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to The Rock Church. My name is Glenn Davies. I am the pastor here at The Rock Church. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to open them to James, uh, the letter written by the stepbrother of Jesus. Uh, to chapter 3, put your finger in it. We're going to be looking at verses 13 to 18 in a bit. We're in a new series. This is our second week in this series that we're calling Desire Wisdom, because nothing else matters more. Sounds rather dramatic, doesn't it? Last week, we, we began, we looked at the problem with wisdom. Not the problem of wisdom, but the problem with wisdom. Uh, because what we saw was, is as we went through the message last week, and again, the podcast is up, it was foundational as this week's message will be, and the next week we'll get into some actual practical stories that will show us wisdom or not so much. One of the beautiful things about the Bible is, uh, it's one of the things that's different about the Bible than any other religious or sacred text is, is that you actually read stories of people in there who are as messed up as you and me, right? Who make mistakes, right? And, and yet God uses these people and he shows them how to apply his wisdom to their lives to grow and become the children of God that they were meant to be. So last week we looked at the problem of wisdom and we discovered this. We discovered a couple of things. Number one, We saw from the record of Adam and Eve, from the very beginning, our problem is from that point in time, we lost contact with wisdom. We, in our earthly mother and father, lost contact with wisdom because the enemy comes along, Satan comes along and says, God's holding back. You could actually, if you just ate this fruit, that'll only take a few minutes, you could actually eat this fruit and you could have all the knowledge that God has and, and, and even more. Well, it's interesting. He uses the word knowledge, but then we read that Eve saw that the fruit was good for what? It was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes, so it was a delightful thing. But then lastly, that it would be something that would make them wise. Silly. Silly. And so she goes ahead and eats this, and along with her husband, who's standing right beside her, eating it, and the fall happens. And so we're completely separated from wisdom, from God, separated from him at that point in time. And then we saw last week that the truth is every single one of us in this room, myself included, I got the t-shirt, we lack wisdom to this day. We totally lack wisdom to this day. We saw that from that point in time throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament, and to this day, it's about the pursuit of knowledge, constantly about the pursuit of knowledge And so we continually buy into this lie that we can just know more. If we can know more, we we can find happy and successful and joyful lives without God. And so we just, we found this cycle just continues. It goes around and around. Even to this today, it went through early Gnosticism in the days of the early church, which was really a heresy that came into the church. And then up until the Enlightenment and René Descartes and all those dudes, even to this day, even more so to this day. It's about the pursuit of knowledge. And humankind seems to think that, well, if we just get smarter, get more knowledge, we'll stop making all these bad decisions that we've been making. And so we saw this cycle going on. We also saw the words of Solomon written 3,000 years ago where it says this, what has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. I mean, 3,000 years ago, Solomon writes this, and and the wisest man to ever live, given wisdom by God, he decides to take a 40-year hiatus from the wisdom, set it aside, and go about seeking happiness and joy and success in life apart from God. But at that time, at the beginning of the book, I mean, he's already experienced this, so now he's writing the book, and he sets it up right at the very beginning and goes, it's just an endless cycle, guys. 
It never ends. Now, we're 3,000 years out from that, and so we realized last week, you know, it's rinse and repeat. We're doing the same thing every generation after every generation, and that's why we're where we're at today. In a day and age where most of us are looking around going, where are the wise people to lead us, to help us out of the problems and the, and, and the hurt and the pain and the suffering and the oppression that's going on in our world? Where are the wise men and wise women? And so we lament that. The truth of the matter is, is that it's even Christians that suffer from this. And yet, there's an encouraging word from the stepbrother uh, to Jesus, James, where he said in the beginning of his letter, he said this, if any of you lacks wisdom, just ask God. So now he's writing to the church 20 years after the churches have been planted to Christians who've received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God has come to live and reside in them. And he's still writing to them a few 20 years later going, so what's happening here, guys? Well, they're going back into the ways of the world. You know, this Christian life they found, just like everyone else, is like, it's not that easy to try to do it in your own strength, that is. And so they end up back in this. And so James, he sends them this, this wonderful advice, and he simply says, listen, if you lack wisdom, if anyone, really he says that everyone does, but if anyone lacks wisdom, just ask your heavenly Father. He's very generous with his wisdom. He'll give you everything you need to everyone, anyone who asks. And he's writing this to Christians. So today I think we need to, as our foundation, we need to answer a few more questions to understand wisdom. Because, again, I think most of us, because of our culture and because of our day and age, even Christians today, even pastors today, we lack it. We lose touch with wisdom because the world's wisdom is just pounding on us. So I think we need to do three things. Number one, define it. Define wisdom, like what is wisdom? But then second of all, I think we need to clearly look at some pictures of what is the difference between wisdom under the sun, right? Worldly wisdom that Solomon spoke about, apart from God, and wisdom from above, godly wisdom. What's the difference? What does it look like? How can I tell from this day forward when I leave here, how will I know when I hear some wisdom from someone or wisdom that I'm giving to someone, whether or not it's actually from God? And so that's my hope that with the foundation now, we'll be able to move to the next step, which is looking at some examples in Scripture, and we'll be able to apply wisdom to our relationships, to our jobs and careers, to our parenting, right, to every aspect of our lives. And I believe that's what God wants to give us wisdom for. So your sermon title for today is Finding Wisdom. Last week, the problem with wisdom, and today, finding wisdom. Now, I know most of you know that I'm a big-time Apple fan. There's <clears throat> one right here, right? See? It's got, the, it's got the little logo, right? It's very important with a bite out of it. Let's not go there, please. Okay? I know it's Genesis, but anyway. So I'm a big Apple fan, and, and I, I have pretty much all of their products. I mean, I got an iPad with my notes on it here. I got an iMac at home. I got a MacBook. You know, I got the iPhone. But the iPhone's an amazing thing, right? I don't know how many of you have got them. If you've got a Samsung or any of those other devices, God bless you. You may want to find another church. Uh, <laughs> Hey, come on. This is an amazing thing, though. Like, I mean, when it came out, uh, I mean, I had to have one because I'm an Apple guy, but also, you know, like, technology, it's good to have. But here's the deal. What I noticed about the product, it's got apps all over it, the screen, it's got, you know, it's everything there. I've got my contacts on it. Uh, I've got my email. I've got, I can surf the web, right? I got, I got real estate apps so I can find out, you know, how much my house is worth <laughs> and, or not. And, and all these things that you can do. But there's one feature that came with these things that the Apple guys realized, before they actually put the product out. 
they realized that you were going to need this feature. I was going to need this feature. Anybody know what that feature is? It's called Find My iPhone. <laughs> they knew for some reason that we were going to misplace them, right? And so they put this on the device. So how it works is that if I've lost my iPhone or I can't find it, I go to my iPad or my other device, any other device, and I, I go to the iCloud or to the app and I find my iPhone, right? And it, it actually, GPS, satellite, location services, and it pinpoints my phone. And my phone is, is either somewhere in my house or down at the ledge, you might have left it there, or maybe it's in somebody's car driving rather quickly on the way to Whistler. And I don't know this person. <laughs> They've taken my phone. It's an amazing feature when you think about it. But here's the part about it that I want you to think about in relation to what we're looking at today, and that is this. Um, for those of you who've gotten used to having one of these things, when you lose it, do you realize how lost you are? <laughs> Have you ever had that experience? How lost you are without it? Now, some of you might be here this morning thinking rather smugly, well, that's why I don't have one and don't need one. Trust me, one day you will be assimilated into the Borg. Um, you will have to have one of these things. It is coming. And so I, I, I relate that or I think of that in the same way as what we're looking at today. And that is, that's our problem with wisdom. We've lost it. We've lost touch with it. And in some cases, we don't even realize it. In some cases, we don't even have the app to find it, or we don't know that we have the app to find it, but we do. We absolutely have it. It's not Google. It's something even better than Google, okay? So we, 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 we need this wisdom. We need to find it. Um, we need to get back in touch with it. So I want to encourage you today, when it comes to the wisdom that we have lost and without which we are actually truly lost, let me encourage you with this phrase for today that you might want to write down and take with you during our message today, and it is this. To have wisdom down here, you need to look up to the word above. That's the thought that I want you to have today as we go through this, this message that we're looking at and some of the scripture that we're going to look at. So let's start by maybe today, because I think throughout this last week, I gave you a little bit of a, maybe a, a little bit more of a negative appearance or a uh, look at ourselves, which, you know, I think it's a good thing to do that for once in a while. But let's start with a little bit more positive or optimistic view of ourselves, whether it's Christian or non-Christian in this room today when it comes to our desire to be wise. Uh, we have seen that we've lost touch with the wisdom that comes from above, but the truth is this. The truth is, is that every single one of you in this room, every single human being walking around breathing in our community today, has the Imago Dei in them. What is the Imago Dei? It's the image of God. Every single person on this planet has been um, uh, created in the image of God. And so no matter whether they have the Holy Spirit or not yet, there is still that, that residue, that residual in them that knows God, that knows there actually is God. And so that's also why we have these desires. We have this desire to be happy in our life today. And the truth is, God has that same desire for us, that we would be happy and joyful with Him for eternity. And we have this desire to be wise. It seems, it seems we even have this desire to be righteous, to be holy and righteous, right? Sometimes it shows itself in self-righteousness rather than the righteousness that's found in Christ. But we have these things resident in us, and they're residuals from the Imago Dei. And so, for example, I think it's universally true that we all not only want to be happy in this life and even beyond, I think it's also true we want to be wise people. We want to be wise, not just smart and knowledgeable, but wise. We want to understand how things work. Um, not just smart and knowledgeable, we want to know how things work, especially in our world, to be able to answer questions, uh, make decisions, to share what we know with others. 
And it's why we actually go to school, uh, not just because our parents force us to do it, but as we get older, we go to high school, we go to university, some people go to graduate school. Why? Because we want to be wise. We want to be smart. We want to know how to live this life to its fullest and well. But the potential problem with that model is this. We might begin to believe that not only can we buy, pay for, work hard to get our knowledge, but also wisdom. I think we're, we're led to believe that wisdom tends to come along with that, right? The smarter you are, the more knowledge you have, then wisdom's going to come along with that. Well, the reality is, as we've seen already, we lack it, we don't have it. In our 20s, we make all kinds of ridiculous mistakes, right? Yeah, come on, confess, we, we do, you know, we make them in our 30s, 40s, 50s, it keeps going. So, so what, I have this question for you. What do you think is the perspective of most people in our world today about how you become wise? If it isn't through lots of knowledge, lots of studying, hard work, university, graduate school, etc., which is all good, don't get me wrong, how would it be? Well, I think if you read about it and you think about it, it seems to be this. It seems to be that most people think that the way to become wise in this life today is school of hard knocks, right? You just go out, you make mistakes, you know, uh, you learn from your mistakes, and then at some point in time, you wisen up, right? You know, like when you're 60, 70, 80, right? When it's almost, sorry for some of you in this room, too late, right? Here's, I got, I got some ideas as to why that's false. Actually, two reasons why I think that is completely false. Number one is, if it was true, then you and I, every one of us, would know someone who's 65, 75 years of age, and we would be going to them all the time for their advice. But we don't. Because, you see, when we're younger, we're part of this gnosis, this knowledge, this, this culture that says, wait a second, that old knowledge isn't enough. There's new knowledge, right? That's one of the reasons why. But the other is this, and I, just, I even Googled it this morning. You know, what, what, are, uh, what do people feel about their life? What do people have to say about their life when they get into their 70s, 80s, or when they feel they're close to the end of their life? You know what you're going to find? Lots of regrets. <laughs> Lots of regrets. People tend to, not all, but many people tend to get older And because of the lack of wisdom in their life, they become a bit bitter and grumpy. And in some cases, the only advice or wisdom that they've got to give to you or to me is don't do what I did. It's hardly, hardly, when you think about it, great advice. So with that as preface, let's look at it this way. What is wisdom? What would a good definition be of wisdom? I'm going to give you actually a definition from the dictionary, which is actually a very good definition of wisdom and knowledge, because we need to see that there's actually a difference between the two. So wisdom would be this. Wisdom defined in the dictionary is the ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. Now, that's actually a good definition in the dictionary, although most Uh, postmodern, enlightened philosophers would go, wait a second, I've got a lot of problems with that, but let's just go with it. Let's hang on to that one for a second, because it's in the dictionary and it's good. So the definition of knowledge in the same dictionary is this. I think this is Webster's, just for those of you who are interested. Knowledge is information gained through experience, reasoning, and or acquaintance. And so part of the reason why I show you these two is that we understand this. Um, They're not the same thing. 
Um, that knowledge can exist without wisdom, we saw last week, but not the other way around. One can be knowledgeable without being wise. And that was our big takeaway last week. You can have all the knowledge in the world and still make nothing but bad decisions, right? That could be possible. And so this is important from this perspective is to see this also, that there's a difference between the two. They're not because you have one, you automatically have the other. Here's a little illustration. I'm not a gun guy, but I read it, and it's a good illustration. That is this. You may, you may have the knowledge that tells you you have a need for a gun, a pistol, and you may actually learn how to use it. That would be knowledge. But the wisdom would be knowing when <laughs> to take it out and when to leave it in your holster or in the safe. Those are very, very different things that, that we would look at. And so to fully flesh this definition out, I think we're going to need to ask this second question, which I propose today, and that is this. What's the difference between wisdom under the sun, um, worldly wisdom, and the wisdom that is from above, or godly wisdom? The dictionary definition I said is actually pretty good, uh, but we need to know the difference between being wise in our own eyes and the wisdom from above. So once again, I don't know about you, um, as I thought about this, I, I have struggled since I became a Christian at 23 years of age um, uh, out of a lot of really bad decisions, <laughs> and they didn't exactly stop right then and there, but there, there was better, but I struggled from that point in time until not too many years ago, uh, really with, with the idea of knowledge versus wisdom, and, and, and where to find wisdom. And, and how to be able to tell when someone's giving me good wisdom or I'm, I'm sensing good wisdom or not. And it's taken, uh, quite frankly, I, as I mature and get older, and particularly as a pastor being in the Word more and more, it's, it's becoming quite obvious to me what those differences are. And so I, I want to easily confess this to you today. I wish I had desired wisdom when I was 23 from the day I became a Christian far more than I did. Because I didn't. Actually, the way I approached it was when I first became a Christian at 23, out of being a Catholic, my attitude at that point in time is, well, I got a lot to learn about the Bible. And so I approached the Bible from a knowledge perspective. I needed to know things. My doctrine, my theology, get it lined up. What's the difference between Catholicism and this and that? And I needed to know these things. But I didn't understand the difference related to wisdom. And so let me, let me take you, let's go on a little bit of a journey to discover that today. Solomon, who also wrote Proverbs, uh, again, he was the wisest man uh, of all time, the Scripture teaches us. Jesus says there was none wiser ever than Solomon. And so there were times when he, he, he actually lived out the wisdom that he had. And of course, when he wrote par- Proverbs, um, he did that very well. He said this in Proverbs, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. The first three chapters of Proverbs are amazing as he builds the case for desiring wisdom. He makes the case that it's the most important thing that we need to strive for. And so he says this. Basically, he bluntly says this. I think in this verse, he's bluntly saying it's possible for you to think, for me to think, that you're wise when in fact what you're planning to do or are doing is actually evil. The contrast, as we're going to see this morning, is, is kind of shocking. It's kind of shocking. I, I don't want to scare you, but, but, but also just make it a, a reality to us that we need to see that he's serious, and God is too, but there's a blessing that comes out of this. So that's the worst case scenario. It's evil. The least ba- bad case scenario is this, and that is, is that you're just going to end up making bad decisions. 
So let's look at James. Like I said to you already, James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Let's have a look at what James, again, I said this last week, most people look at the letter, the epistle of James and say, you know, it's about trials and temptations. Well, it is. But it's also dramatically about wisdom and, and how to deal with your trials and temptations. And you need wisdom to do that. In verse 13, he says this, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So let's look at this. James starts with the right question and the right posture. You and I need to do this. I've said this many times before that it's a good idea for us as Christians to do a little self-evaluation, to stand in front of the mirror and ask myself, on the level of wisdom between on a scale of 1 to 10, where am I? Where am I right now in overall, but where, where am I in relation to yesterday? I mean, there are going to be days, right? You can add it all up. Where am I on that scale? And it's a good question. Most of us want to be wise, so we should be asking that a question. But again, our, our problem, I think, is, and mine is, my tendency is, I don't know about you, is to sometimes mark ourselves a little too high, <laughs> you know, be a little bit overly optimistic, think too highly of ourselves, being wise in our own eyes, even though maybe we would deny we do that. After all, again, most of us like to think we're pretty smart. Most of us, I have a dinner table in our home. My daughter-in-laws, when they first met myself and my sons, they would, they, would, they would be wondering whether or not they actually wanted to get into a relationship with my sons because we would like, debate at the table. It was like, you know, the conversations were quite, were, were quite fierce, really, that was going on at those tables. And so it was, it was interesting how we behaved because we have these opinions. We, we like to think of ourselves as very savvy, you know, at least as smart as the next person on any given issue, right? Well, it's dangerous. It's a dangerous position and a dangerous way to live. But that's really what happened. It's because, quite frankly, this idol of knowledge, this idol of relativism in our culture, we believe that our opinion is at least as valid as anyone else's. And really, the bottom line to that is, is that true wisdom gets lost in the shuffle. So in James' context, it's important that we note that, that he's specifically talking about those who are wise in their knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is and of the gospel. So he's speaking to Christians. So let's look at what he says is the first thing that tells us whether or not that we are truly wise, that we have wisdom that's from above. Not earthly wisdom, but wisdom that's from above. He says that you will know the wise man or woman by what? By their fruit. By their conduct. Another word or phrase that he uses a lot, uh, pardon me, Paul uses a lot, is manner of life, way of life, which is a way of looking at that. It's, it's by their good conduct. And, and when he shows it, and when they, when they show their good conduct, this is also very important and interesting. And of course, those of you who know your Bibles, you know that the idea for the Christian is to become more like whom? Jesus Christ, to become more Christ-like. And so these, these fruit, these characteristics are those of what? Meekness. <laughs> And they represent and, and are, are parallel, parallel exactly to the meekness that Jesus displayed, the one who had come from the Father and was the wisdom from the Father who came in the flesh. So if I'm living out wisdom in my life from above, then it should be obvious this way, because I just tell you, right? It, the, the fact that you know, I, I have wisdom and, and that I'm a loving friend and father and, and, and husband is because I just tell you I am. No. Some of you are shaking your head. That's a good thing. No, it's because of what you see, or it should be anyway, or not, sadly. 
So the conduct of a wise person should be someone who is meek and, and who's living that out in their lives. And, and obviously, wisdom has been imparted to them, and they're growing in their meekness and in their gentleness. And so it's a beautiful thing that we see. I mean, actually, the, the Greek word that Paul, uh, James uses there is an interesting word for conduct. Uh, in the Greek culture, it would refer to a person who was ethical. So again, the Greek culture had this two things that they thought were really, really high up there, gnosis, which is knowledge, and the other is ethics, that you treated people fairly, that you were a good person. That was very important. And so he used that word, but uh, we also know this. The one thing that our conduct actually reveals is this, isn't it? It's right here. Our conduct actually reveals our heart. First, our conduct reveals obedient and meek hearts, and then let's just skip over to verses 17 and 18 and see what else it's supposed to reveal. But the wisdom from above, 17 and 18 say, is first pure, a pure heart, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, doesn't take sides, sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I, I love, I think I suggested this last week, that if you compare that with the, the fruit of the Spirit, right? And then if you, you compare that with the beautiful attitudes in the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 on the Sermon on the Mount, the, the characteristics of a person who's a Christian who has the Holy Spirit residing and living in them and, and has wisdom from above are these things. And they're beautiful things that I'm sure we would all want to aspire to. But now look at this. Look at what James has sandwiched in between these two beautiful pictures. And it's verses 14 to 16 where it says this. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. I'm just the mailman. These are his words. They're the Holy Spirit's words. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. I would also suggest there will be nothing new under the sun. Just the same cycle, rinse and repeat, will happen in your life. So here, honestly, you have the ugliest picture of worldly wisdom, wisdom from under the sun. And it's this. It's this. It's hard to hear, but it's true, and we need to hear it. It's self-focused. It's focused on what's down here in this world. It disregards any possibility that there is ultimate truth and ultimate wisdom outside of oneself. The wisdom of this world, the place that we have arrived at, thanks to the idol of our human knowledge, is that it tells you and me that our lives are all about us. This is the heart that, listen, it's the heart that can't stand, quite frankly, when anyone else uh, is doing better than you are uh, or, or have more and, and are more liked and appreciated than you are, than themselves. It's the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I is what worldly uh, uh, wisdom promotes and goes to. It produces a jealousy that leads to bitterness toward not for the flourishing of someone else, but but for them to be just as stuck as you. And so there's a difference. It's selfish because it's always seeking the advancement of self. So consider how we give 
earthly wisdom selfishly ourselves. Think about this. I don't want to go into any specific details because we're a small church, and some people here might think I'm talking about them, and I don't want to do that, right? But just think about it. When someone comes to you and asks you for wisdom, for advice on any given subject, it could be about a relationship, it could be about your job, it could be about someone else in the church, you know? (laughs) Not that that happens here. But they come to you for advice, and, and then you're put in a position where... You know, you probably feel the same way as they do about some of those things. You know, my husband's not really treating me very nicely. And then your your girlfriend's thinking in her head, yeah, um, mine either. You know, and and there's this kind of thing that goes back and forth. And so the, the advice that we give to someone usually doesn't rise above the advice that's in our own heads. Amen? Do you understand that? Now, sometimes we, we may have a holier-than-thou attitude about it, but the reality is, is that we tend to just... Here's another interesting thought related to that. Have you ever noticed that people don't usually go to people for advice or wisdom because they know they're going to hear what they don't want to hear? Have <laughs> you ever noticed that? Well, I'm a pastor. Here's what happens sometimes when you're a pastor, right? Because you're the guy up front who's saying all these things, and sometimes people take it the wrong way. They think that, well, I've got my act together. Okay, the Bible, the Scripture's got its act together. I'm just trying to tell you what it says, and I'm struggling with those things. But I I actually remember a couple times where someone has said to me, you know, uh, that they were talking to someone, and it came up that they they didn't feel they could talk to me. And at first when I hear that, I'm kind of like, well, Why? Like, I'm a nice guy. Like, you know, why would they think that, right? And, and, uh, or, or, yeah, they, and, and actually in one case, I was talking to a young man, this is several years ago, and, and uh, the, something had happened, and, and, and it didn't work out very well, and I said, well, why didn't you come talk to me? He goes, because I knew what you'd tell me. <laughs> anyway, do you understand? We've got to be careful, even in giving of our own advice to other people. Uh, earthly wisdom, listen to this, appeals to your pride. Wisdom from under the sun will appeal to the pride, your senses and your emotions. In contrast, the wisdom that is from God reflects him and his heart for the sake of others. That's true wisdom. So you should be able to know when you're hearing it and you're not. I think this might surprise some of you in this room, but, but here's one. I think one of the best examples that people trot out and say in any conversation at any given point in time when they don't know what else to say is they just say this. Just follow your heart. Ever seen that? I see that on Facebook sometimes with beautiful little flowers in the background and pictures and some positive thinking website. It says, just follow your heart. Now, look, here's a really classic example of how the worldly wisdom is so wrong compared to the wisdom that comes from above, from God. Because, guys, you know this. Jeremiah says this, right? The heart is deceitful above all things. It is desperately sick. I remember hearing that for the first time, and, and uh, I remember the first time I had to preach that, and I'm like, oh, dear, not too many people are going to like to hear this, but this is true. This is what the Word of God tells us. And yet the advice of the world is, just follow your heart. If it feels good, do it. Don't let other people rain on your parade. You know, they're just not very loving. If they're going to be critical of you, follow your heart. You know what's best for you. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's not good advice. It's worldly advice. Uh, A man by the name of John Bloom wrote a great book. It's called Don't Follow Your Heart. (laughs) And he says this. Here's a quote from his book. He says, our hearts were never designed to be followed. Never designed to be followed, but to be led. 
Our hearts were never designed to be gods in whom we believe. They were designed to believe in God. That's what our hearts were given to. Now, if you've spent any, any time in God's Word, <laughs> any of you, you've run up against this verse, which is these two verses, beautiful verses. And, and, and it should tell us everything about God and His wisdom and His heart for us. And he says this, Isaiah wrote it, I believe, yes. For my thoughts, this is God speaking, the Father, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, you can read that and know it's true, and it is true, and you can even give a little bit of mental assent to it, which you should do more than that. But here's the truth also about this statement. It's not saying that you can't know them. It's not saying that. It's just making sure that you understand that you're starting from a lack position. You don't know. But if anyone lacks wisdom, he can what? Ask. And our Heavenly Father will give it to us. Worldly wisdom says things like this. Love your family, your friends, and those who love you back. And those who don't, forget about them. (laughs) I've seen that on Facebook too, right? Someone's having a bad day. Someone's, you know, kicked your cat, said something nasty to you, made you feel not too good. Boom, it's on Facebook with a picture of flowers and all this kind of stuff, right? Actually, Jesus said, love your enemies. The worldly wisdom is one thing. Godly wisdom is something completely different. So now, please, hear me when I say this. Getting a good education is not a bad thing. In fact, we're going to apply this now to what we need to do with what you're hearing here today. I want to give you four applications to take with you today that I hope will be helpful. It's not bad to, to go to school, to get education, to pursue knowledge. But as one pastor that you know I quote a fair bit, Tim Keller, likes to say, an idol is a good thing that you've made into an ultimate thing. And so we need to be very careful about that. On the other hand, if you really do to desire wisdom, here's what we need to do again, is to find wisdom down here. Look to the word from heaven. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans 12 too. He said, do not be conformed literally to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, look at this, by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He is suggesting to you and I that we need to do some work here. We need to be, if, if you want to be not conformed to the pattern of this world, to worldly wisdom, there's some work to be done here. It's not just, please give me wisdom. Please give me wisdom. You know, there's some work that we actually need to do. Solomon also wrote in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One. And again, as you've probably heard me speak and preach before, fear is not trembling in a corner. Fear is putting God where He belongs, which is high above all things, having reverence for Him and specifically for His Word. So I want to show you four applications today, four things that I want to encourage you to think about doing this week. Start today, doing these things to apply what we've learned here today. Number one, desire her more than anything else. I love the way Solomon writes in Proverbs. Uh, he, he pictures wisdom as feminine. Well, he's a man, and he's pitching it, uh, picturing it as something that he loves dearly. But wisdom is the father. <laughs> it's not only from above, it is him. But it's a beautiful picture that he gives to us of his wisdom. And, and, he, and, he's, and he's saying to us, desire it. Again, it's, it's a God thing. It's something that God puts in our heart that we, we should want to desire this. 
And so you all know, you all know, every one of you in this room knows that you are dedicated to your own personal happiness. Anybody deny this in this room? Hey, look at you. Some people got their arms crossed. Obviously, you're not going to put them up. That's good. You're, you're dedicated to it. You work hard. You read books. You do everything you can to make more money so you can go more beautiful places. You want to be happy in this life. Good news. God wants it for you more than you do. But he wants you to understand there's, there's a happiness that comes from him that is far beyond this. Again, Solomon wrote this in chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Blessed, another word would be happy, is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. That's number one. Desire her more than anything else. Number two, you'll find the knowledge of God and his wisdom in one place, his word. So now listen, I'm going to say this really, really boldly right up front. And, and, and some of you are going to be going, oh, Glenn, come on. I mean, and you, you've said this before. You're the pastor. Okay, so every, every time we get to a point and, you know, what do we got to do? I got to read my Bible. <laughs> and you're going to do that again, are you? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. You need to be in the Word of God and you need to read it. I want to give you a little bit of an example of what that means. Many, many years ago, in my early 20s, my first great job was at a stereo shop in downtown Toronto called Babel or Radio. It was where it really launched my business and marketing career was there. What really changed, really changed, because I had no idea what I was doing, was a fortuitous coffee one morning bought with a man by the name of Dirk Roos. Dirk was with a, a manufacturer, it doesn't matter. He took me out for coffee because the owner of the shop said, he's a young man, he, he's not too smart yet, but you might be able to help him, right? So he took me out for coffee, and he asked me, he said, Glenn, do you, do you, do you see a, a career, a future for yourself in consumer electronics? And I said, I hope so. Yeah, that'd be great. He said, well, let me give you some advice. I don't, I don't think he was a Christian. I don't know. But his advice was this. Glenn, I want to give you some statistics. Um, if, if you were to read um, one consumer electronic magazine, like a stereo magazine, right, which I did, I love those, which is why I was in the business. He goes, you read one of those a month, every month for 12 months, you'll be in the top... 85% of people in your industry. Now, he says, if you read one of those magazines and a trade magazine every month, you'll get up to 90%. And then he said, if you read a consumer magazine and a trade magazine and some books about business and marketing, one a month, you will end up in the 99th percentile in your industry within 12 months. I remember looking at him at the time going, okay, it's a knowledge thing, right? But there's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in that. And I remember thinking at that time, you know, I can do that. I mean, I, I don't know anything else. I, I didn't go to university. I went for two weeks and said, mm, not for me. And, and I, I gave myself to that. And you know what? It was the best advice I ever had in my life. And so let me give that to you when it comes to God's word. Let me suggest that you do this. Listen, it's not a suggestion. Please do this. Spend 15 minutes in the morning, just you, this right here, the written version, and the Holy Spirit. Read a passage. Some statistics for you. Do you realize that with comprehension, the average man or woman can read 200 words per minute? So in 15 minutes, how many words is that? 3,000. I thought it'd help you. Right? How many words do you think are in the letter to the Galatians? 2,200. 
oh, Galatians? I can read Galatians in less than 15 minutes? Yeah, actually you could. Let's add to that. Let's say, you know what? Yeah, okay, but it's the Bible, right? And there's theology, there's doctrine, there's context, things I don't understand. Okay, great. What you need to do is you need to go out and buy one of these. I've got several sets of these. You can buy um, single-volume uh, New Testament and Old Testament commentaries. This one's Warren Wiersbe's New Testament uh, Expository Outlines. You can buy one of these, and, and uh, you could have a library of them, and every Christian home should have them, by the way. And you could take your Bible, and you could read a chapter of Galatians and the commentaries chapter for that morning, and guess what? Within 15 minutes, you'd still have time to pray. And then you know what else you could do? You could show up for church more regularly. <laughs> you could show up for missional community group more regularly and get into a Bible study and go deeper in God's Word. And you know what else you could do? You could take a course online. There's lots out there. There's even free ones. You could go to conventions, you know, and specifically ones, Christian conferences that are dealing with areas in your life where you might need some help. Or maybe there's even a tug on your heart for ministry. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe that's what you need to do. You need to grow. Guys, there is no other way. Just so you know, there's no other way. And, and I can tell here's one of the biggest problems in our church and in every church. Most people are here today without a Bible and without, we're not taking any notes. So some of you might be saying, oh, but Glenn, but Glenn, I'm busy. I'm really busy. So here's what I do. You know, I listen to podcasts. You know, I, I, I've got uh, my iPhone and I can make, you know, I can listen to the Bible while I'm walking around doing my housework or while I'm driving. It's not a proper replacement, because here's the deal. I know myself well enough. Yesterday, driving to Vancouver to pick up some lobsters to come home and cook for mom and dad right here for their birthday, and, and I'm listening to a podcast of a speaker that I really like, and about four minutes into listening to that podcast, I'm thinking about the traffic, I'm thinking about this message this morning, and I didn't hear a thing that he said for the next 15 minutes, because I was talking aloud to myself, right? Same thing with you. You need time alone with God and His Word. You need time alone with God and His Word. Thirdly, thirdly, James said it, pray, pray. Be in the Word, digest the Word, pray for wisdom before you read it and after you've read it, that throughout the day the Lord will bring wisdom to you from what you have read. Fourthly, and this is very important for maybe some of you in this room here today to hear this, come to faith in Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Him. Head knowledge of all the things that we're talking about here today, it'll help but it'll also frustrate you because in your own strength and power, you will not be able to live this out. Christians have a hard enough time doing it. And that's why James said you need to pray and ask your Father who will generously give you this wisdom. Let me close with this. I love this saying. Tomorrow is the first day of the rest of your life. I don't care how old you are in this room. I don't care how much you've messed up in the last week, last month, last year how many failures and, and, and poor starts you've had with God and His Word or in your life and relationships. And so tomorrow is the first day of the rest of your life. With Him and with His Word, you can get there. You can get, you can find wisdom from above. Pray with me, would you?